anyone could do teshuva. Rabbi, even the worst Russia? Yes, Sammy, even the worst Russia could do teshuva. Even, even the worst Russia, what? Let me ask you, Sammy, did you ever learn anything in Chumash, in Sefer Shemos? Uh, Sefer Shemos, you know, about the story of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim? Of course, of course, of course, I learned all about the story of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Hashem bring one maka or more? Actually, I'm not sure. You're not sure how many makos there were? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, well, no, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Sammy, don't you know the song? Yeah, my mother doesn't let me sing that song. Why not? Because she doesn't like me saying the word dumb. And so, okay, but... But don't you know the Makos? This, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure how many there were. Well, didn't you learn in fourth grade that there were ten Makos? Well, I'll tell you what, Rebbe. What happened was, in the beginning of fourth grade, we learned there were ten Makos. But then, when we got up to Pesach, we learned the Haggadah. And in the Haggadah, there was one rabbi saying that there was there was 50 makos, and a different rabbi saying that there was uh, 100 makos, or 200 makos, or a million makos. I don't, I don't remember, but, 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 but a lot of makos, and I got a little confused. All right. But there was more than one, right? Yeah. Do you know why Hashem brought more than one maka? Because Hashem was practicing. Practicing? Uh, he was practicing, you know, he likes, Hashem likes to show that he runs the world, so he was practicing by doing lots of different things to show he runs the world. Like he, he's in charge of the animals, and, and he's in charge of the sky. I, I, my Rebbe said that. You're right, Sammy, actually, the Mepharshim do say that it was Hashem showing how Hashem runs the world. That's true. But there was another reason that Hashem brought so many makos. It was to help Paro have a chance to do teshuva. And you know what? Paro almost did teshuva. He almost did. He said, Hashem HaTzadik. He almost did teshuva. Until he stopped doing teshuva. Yeah, that's true, Sam. He stopped doing teshuva. And then, that's when he kind of made it that Mitzrayim got beat up with all the makos, makos, bechoros, and kriyas yamsuf, and things like that. Well, Rabbi, yeah, so if everyone could do teshuva, that means that even Avramel, excuse Sammy, Sammy, we don't talk about other people, but this is about, not about other people, it's Avramel, because Avramel, yesterday, he tripped me when I was walking on the steps, and Sammy, we don't talk about other people, okay? Avramel, yes, Rabbi, did you trip Sammy on the steps? Rabbi, that would be Rechilis, if Rabbi, if Rabbi tells me that Sammy said that, you're right, you know what, let's, let's deal with this later. Um, let's go back to my main topic. Everyone could do teshuva, even big Rishon. However, not every big Russia gets the opportunity to do teshuva, as we're going to learn about at a different time. As at some other time, not today, we'll talk about how everyone could do teshuva, even the big Rishon. However, not everyone gets a chance, not everyone has a privilege that Hashem gives them an opportunity to do teshuva. There was one man who made a mistake and thought he couldn't do teshuva. And be, and because of that, he did not go straight to Gan Eden. He went to Gehenna. A man who could have done teshuva, but didn't. Does anybody know his name? 
Nachman. Uh, Rebbe was his name. Uh, was his name um, President George Washington? George Washington. Yeah, because he could have done teshuva. Because you see, he he was he was fight. He used to fight all the time. He fought all the time. That's right. He had very bad midos. He was always fighting. You know, one time he made a fight against the king. Even he was fighting against the king. He fought against the king of England, and it's true that he did fight against the king of England. I guess, but but that was a different kind of fight. That was a that was not the kind of fight like a bad midos kind of fight that you do teshuva for. Well, but the king of England was sad afterwards because he lost he lost America. Yes, you can seal. I don't say Nachman said somebody lost America. Are we lost? Uh, I I know where I am. You can seal. I'm just, you have to pay attention to the whole class. You can't just pay attention to some words, okay? Let, let's get back to the point. Let me tell you a story about a great tzaddik who who used to be, I mean, a big Tamil Chacham, who used to be, a, a, you know what his name was? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. His name was Elisha Ben Avuya. Rabbi Elisha Ben Avuya was a tremendously big Tamil Chacham. Rabbi Elisha Ben Avuya was a big Torah scholar. He was a great tzaddik. He knew tons and tons and tons of Torah. And Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, he had a student who everyone in this room knows very well. If you learn Mishnais, his name was Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, the Tana in the Mishnayis, he was a student of Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, and boy, oh boy, did he learn a lot from him. But I want to tell you something about what, what happened one day. You see, it was one day Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya was walking down the street. And Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, he saw something very disturbing. Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, he saw a young boy and his father walking together. And the young boy and his father were walking together past a tree. And his father was looking at the tree. And his eyes glanced up one branch at a time. Until he saw a bunch high in the tree. Maybe 30 or 40 feet in the tree. I made that up. But maybe it was that high. He saw there was a little tweet tweet. You know what a tweet tweet is? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a bird, okay? A tweet tweet is a bird. He saw a bird up in the sky, up in the tree. And he saw that the bird wasn't alone. The bird had a nest with it. The bird was hovering over the nest and then rested on the nest. And the father said to the son, as Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya watched, he said, boy, oh boy, oh boy, look at that. It's a bird sitting on its nest. Son, we have an opportunity to do an incredibly valuable mitzvah. Do you know what the mitzvah is, son? Yes, Sammy. It's the mitzvah of candy cane. Candy cane? Yeah. Uh, uh, isn't that what it's called? No. Shiluach hakane. Oh, right. Shiluach hakane. Right. That's what I meant. Shiluach hakane. Sending away. That's very good, Sammy. Sending away the mother bird. There's a special myth in the Torah that when you want to take the babies, you send away the mother bird and you take the babies after you send away the mother bird. That's exactly what he said. He said, son, there's a myth to do. Shiluach hakane. We have an opportunity to do candy cane. I mean, shiluach hakane. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Tati, the boy said to his father, I guess. The bird's all the way up in that tree. How do I reach the bird? Ah, 
Don't worry about that, the father said. Go climb the tree. I'll help you get up to the first branch. And you'll go and climb the tree. You'll get to the bird. Climb the tree. Maybe I can get a ladder. Oh, good idea. Excellent. Good idea. Go grab a ladder and use the ladder and climb the tree. Good. I didn't think of that. And so the boy went. He got a ladder. He put it against the tree. And he began to climb the tree. And he began to go to the bird to send away the mother bird to take the nest. And as he reached the top, doing what his father said he was supposed to do, and he sent away the mother bird, he grabbed the eggs and he began to go down. All of a sudden, he slipped. Now the bird nest was 40 feet up in the air. And when you fall 40 feet from the sky onto the ground, it doesn't have a happy ending. And the boy fell. And this little boy was dead. He was killed. And Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya saw that. And he was so distressed. He was so troubled. He said, I thought that the Torah says that the reward for doing the mitzvah of Shiluach HaKain is you get a long life. And here this person, this boy, was doing the mitzvah of Shiluach HaKain and he died. And I thought the reward for honoring your parents properly is you get a long life. And this boy was listening to his father and he died. He didn't get a long life. Two mitzvahs supposed to get a long life and it didn't work. Maybe the Torah maybe the Torah isn't true. Wow. And then Chazal tell us that Elisha ben Avuya saw a second thing. Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya saw the terrible story. There was a great sage, his name was Chutz Bishamit Torgamon. Yes, Avramo? You see, Rabbi, I'm not the only one who's Chutz Bidik. His name was Chutz Bidik. Chas v'shalom, Avramo. Chutz Bishamit Torgamon was not Chutz Bidik at all. His name was Chutzpah. That was his name. And Metorgamon means he was a explainer. He explained Torah very beautifully. And he translated Chumash very beautifully. And Chutzpah HaMetorgamon was killed by the Romans. And they killed him in a vicious way. And the tongue of Chutzpah HaMetorgamon was cut out of his mouth. And Elisha ben Avuya saw that there was a pig dragging the tongue of Chutzpah HaMetorgamon. And Elisha ben Avuya said, this great sage, this great Talmud Chacham, who learned so much Torah and taught so much Torah and used the tongue in such a holy way, it's being dragged by a pig. The world runs however it runs. And there's no reward, there's no punishment. And Elisha ben Avuya became what's called today in the language of Chazal, an apikairis. That means he didn't believe in basic Torah principles. But he was a gigantic Talmud Chacham. And he knew lots of Torah. And Elisha ben Avuya Chazal say, began to do tons and tons of Averis. Terrible, terrible sins. Terrible Averis. Elisha ben Avuya did terrible, terrible things. Because he saw these events. Now, before I tell you the rest of Elisha ben Avuya's story, I want to tell you something. The Gemara explains that Elisha ben Avuya made a mistake. 
It's true, Chutzpah Samatorgamon was killed and his tongue was dragged. And Hashem had his reasons. But he made a mistake specifically in understanding the Pasuk. When the Pasuk promises a long life for honoring your parents and the Pasuk promises a long life for the mitzvah of Shulach HaKain, it doesn't mean a long life in this world. It means a long life in Olam Haba, in the world to come. And Elisha ben Avuya made a mistake. He didn't know that. And that led him to do terrible things. And he did such terrible things that Chachamim had a dilemma. They weren't sure what to do. They said, sometimes we want to tell over in the Beis HaMedrash different things that Elisha ben Avuya taught us when he was a big Talmud Chacham and a person who kept Torah mitzvahs. But how do we talk about him now that he doesn't keep Torah mitzvahs anymore? We don't want to talk about him and say, Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, when he doesn't keep Torah mitzvahs anymore. And they came to the decision that from now on we're going to call Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya by a different name. We're going to give him the name of Acher, which means another, the another person, another opinion, a different person. But when we say the word another, when we say Acher, we mean Elisha ben Avuya. And so from now on, every time somebody wanted to talk about Rabbi Meir's Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya, they would say, Acher says, and Rabbi Meir would say, my Rabbi Acher said, and it was a referring to Elisha ben Avuya. But Amir Tashem tomorrow will learn more about Elisha ben Avuya and how he thought he could not do teshuva. Rabbi, Rabbi, it's tomorrow. And therefore... So Rebbe said, it's tomorrow. So, so Rebbe, Rebbe said, it's time to continue the story. Which story? The, the one about explaining how Avramel could still do teshuva. Avramel? For what? Remember, Big Rishayim? Sammy. I'm just kidding, Rebbe. No, really. Rebbe said he didn't tell us about the person who thought he couldn't do teshuva, but he could do teshuva, but he didn't do teshuva because he thought he could do teshuva or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. About um, Acher, Rebbe Meir's Rebbe, Elisha ben Avuya. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Okay? Here we go. The Gemara tells an incredible story about Acher, about Elisha ben Avuya. One time, Elisha ben Avuya, Acher, was riding on a horse. Yes, you can see him. Rabbi, I once went on a horse ride. It was really fun. It was very expensive. It was like $400 an hour. $400? No, a lot of money. It was a lot of money. My parents said we can only do it once. And guess what? They, were, they said we did such a good job that we were so well behaved the other day. We're going to go horseback riding again. And beautiful, you said. Beautiful. All right. But let's talk about Alicia ben Avuya. Let's talk about Akhir's horse. Let's talk about his horse ride. Because he was riding a horse at a time where I hope you don't ride a horse. What, what do you mean, Rabbi? Alicia ben Avuya Akhir was riding a horse on Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos Kodesh, Helege Shabbos. Rabbi, yes, Sammy. But but we learned that in in halacha that um, riding a horse is is a malacha on Shabbos. Sammy, Avramel, Avramel, calm down. What do you want to say, Avramel? It's not a malacha to ride a horse. It's it's a, a is it a rabbanon to ride a horse on Shabbos? That's right. That's right. Oh, oh yeah, right. That's right because because you might end up ripping a branch off the tree to hit the horse. That's right. And that's why you're allowed to ride a horse on Shabbos if you're in the desert. So maybe, Elisha ben Avuya, why are you allowed to ride a horse on Shabbos in the desert? Because there are no branches in the desert. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to rip off the branch off a cactus plant. You know what I mean? That's going to hurt. You know, I don't think anyone's going to do that. And 
Actually, that's an interesting point you're bringing up, Sammy. However, I believe the Chachamim's rule that you're not allowed to ride a horse on Shabbos applies no matter what. Whether you're in the desert, whether you're in the Arctic Circle, whether you're in the, <coughs> whether you're in Ant- the Ant- Antarctic, whether you're in the Sahara Desert, whether you're in the Gobi Desert, whether you're in New York City, because they don't have trees there either, I think, or something like that. It doesn't matter. You can't ride the horse on Shabbos. So, Rabbi, yes, Sammy. So, that's my question. So, how could he ride a horse on Shabbos? That's the point, Sammy. He wasn't keeping Shabbos. Rabbi Mayers, Rabbi, didn't keep Shabbos? Rabbi? Mm hmm. Did you keep Shabbos? Sammy! I'm insulted. D- don't be insulted. Rabbi Mayer was a great tzaddik, and his Rabbi didn't keep Shabbos, so maybe. Ah! Uh... Sammy? That's not nice. I know you're joking. I can see the smile on your face. Sorry, Rebbe, but but it was too funny. So Rebbe Meir's Rebbe Elisha, Rebbe, Rebbe Elisha ben Abiyacher was riding a horse on Shabbos, and Rebbe Yehudanasi was going after him, following him. You know why? Yes, you can see Because uh, he didn't have enough money to pay for a horse, because riding a horse is a lot of money. It's like $400,000 a year. That was not why. Yes, Nasan. Maybe because um, Rebbe Meir fell off the horse. No, I said it was Shabbos Kodesh. You think Rebbe Meir would ride a horse on Shabbos? Well, but Elisha ben Avuya did. Acher did. Yeah, but Elisha ben Avuya. Elisha ben Avuya, because of these stories, he stopped keeping Terimitzis. He did terrible Averis. So, so he didn't care about Shabbos. He rode a horse on Shabbos. But Remeir, the great sage of Remeir, he kept Terimitzis. He was a big tzaddik. He was a tremendous Tabal Chacham. And he kept Terimitzis. So why was he walking behind Rebbe Elisha ben Avuya? Why was he walking behind Acher? Not because he fell off the horse. Not because he couldn't afford it. He wouldn't ride a horse at Shabbos. Oh, okay. But that wasn't my question. My question was, why was he walking behind the horse? Um, um, Rebbe? Yes. Rebbe just said, because he, he kept Shabbos. And if he keeps Shabbos, he can't be riding on a horse on Shabbos. I know, I know. But my question is, why was he going anywhere with Rabbi Elisha ben Avuya? Why was he going with Acher? Does anybody know? Yes, Nachman. Maybe because he was learning Torah from, from his Rabbi? Excellent! That's exactly what it is. Yes, Rabbi Meir was learning Torah from Acher. And he was following him and walking behind him. And they reached a certain point. And Rabbi Meir was walking and he was learning. Yeah, I hear. Oh, that's a good shot, Rabbi. I hear. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Mishnah says. And that's what the Mishnah means. Yes, Sammy? I don't understand, Rabbi. It's so confusing. Why was Acher learning Torah if he didn't keep Torah mitzvahs? That's a very good question. You know what? Maybe we'll talk about that a different time. It's an excellent question. Uh, the short answer is basically because he knew Torah, Torah very well and he recognized Torah was great and chashuv and he appreciated Torah. His just his Yitzhahara got in the way and his Yitzhahara made him think that he that he was that that that, that he should just do averus. But listen, what happens? Acher says to Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir! Yes, Rabbi? Stop! What do you think Rabbi Meir did? Yes, Avramel? He stopped. That's it, because you listen to your Rabbi. When your Rabbi says something, you listen, right, Avramel? Yeah, Rabbi, except sometimes. No, no. You listen to your Rabbi. He stopped. And the Rabbi Meir's Rabbi said to him, I want you to stop here because Kevar Shiarti Big Feasus. I've already figured out using the footsteps of the horse. That Ad Khan Tukum Shabbos, that you're not allowed to walk past here on Shabbos. This is the farthest you can go on Shabbos. 
because you're only allowed to walk outside of a city 2,000 Amas on Shabbos. And I figured out using my horse's gait, the steps of my horse, how far 2,000 Amas is. And this is the place you got to stop. You can't walk further. If you walk further, you're going to be doing an Avera. So I'll see you tomorrow. But Rabbi, Rabbi Meir said, hold on a second. One second. You're telling me to stop. What about you? You're a yid. You need to stop too. Acher shook his head. At least, probably shook his head. And he said, I already told you something that answers your question. What? What? I already told you what I heard from Shemayim. I already told you that I heard a baskol, a heavenly voice come from Shemayim. And the baskol, the heavenly voice said, Shuvu bonim shayvavim. Return rebellious children. Hashem says, the Navi says, do teshuva. Everyone, the Moscow, the heavenly voice, announces publicly. We don't hear it if we're not holy enough. We don't have the receptors in our ears. But Acher did. He heard the Baskal and said, Shuvu Banim Shevim, do Teshuva. I want everyone to do Teshuva. Chutz! Me Acher. The only person who shouldn't do Teshuva is Acher. So Remeir, I can't do Teshuva. Hashem doesn't want my Teshuva. Hashem doesn't let me do Teshuva. The heavenly voice says, do Teshuva! Except for Acher. I don't want Teshuva from Acher. Now Rabbi Meir was very distressed, as you probably imagine. A Rebbe telling a student, I can't do Teshuva. Rabbi Meir said, of course you can do Teshuva. He took Acher and he brought him to a Beis HaMedrash. Now today there's no Nevua. Ever since the time of Mordechai Atzadik really, there's no Nevua in the world. There's no prophecy in the world. But... As I'll say, there's something called Me'ain Nevuah. A little bit snippet, kin, kin, tiny, teeny uh, kind of Nevuah. And that kind of Nevuah happens in a number of ways. One of the ways is a child, you go to a child and you say to a child, tell me the Pusuk you're learning. And the child quotes a Pusuk randomly. That Pusuk has a message for the person who's asking the question. Well, Rabbi Meir grabbed his Rabbi Acher and he schlepped him to a Beis HaMedrash. And he said to one of the children in the Beis HaMedrash, he said, Psykli Psukech, tell me the Pasuk, speak, tell me a Pasuk that I'm going to use to determine whether Acher could do Teshuvah. And the child said, Ein Shalom Omar Hashem La Rishoyim. There is no peace for Rishoyim. So says Hashem. As if to say, no, Acher can't do Teshuvah. And he says, one second, one second, one second. And he went to another child in another yeshiva. And he said, tell me a pasuk. And this child quoted a pasuk. Even if you clean up with neser, which means soap. Even if you clean your neshama with soap. I don't want your neshama. I don't want to be connected to you. Again, telling him, Acher should not do teshuva. And he found the third child and he said, Tell me a pasuk, and he quoted a pasuk. Be'es shedud matasi kisel b'sheni yesha. 
a pasuk that also says, don't do teshuva. I'm not going to accept it from Acher. I don't want his teshuva. And he brought him to another shul. He brought him to 13 shuls, asking 13 children. And every child gave a pasuk that indicated Hashem did not want Acher to do teshuva. When he came to the last shul, the 13th shul, he said, tell me the pasuk. And the child said, a pasuk. Now the pasuk really says the words, Ule Rasha Omar Elohim. And to the Rasha Hashem says, Why are you telling the story of my Torah? Why are you telling over my Torah? Why are you learning my Torah? This child, though, had a speech impediment. It was hard for him to speak sometimes. And when he said, Ula it came out of his mouth, Ula Amar, came out as Ula Elisha Amar. Ula Elisha Amar Elohim. And Hashem said to Elisha, Malacha Saper Chuki, why are you telling in my Torah? The Gemara says that when Acher heard this, when Acher heard this expression from this child, Acher said, Acher said, if I had a knife in my hand, I would kill this child for saying that. It's a machlokus in the Gemara exactly what happened. But that's what we'll leave it with. Acher did not do teshuva. As a matter of fact, the Gemara says that when Acher died, he came to Shemayim. And in Shemayim, they took a look at the Shema of Acher. And they said, what shall we do with the Shema of Acher? Yes, Nasan. Rabbi, is that really what it sounds like in Shemayim? How does Rebbe know that in Shemayim they talk in funny voices? <laughs> I don't. I made it up. I don't know what happens in Shemayim. But the Gemara says this is what happened, so I'm going to just try to explain it in that way so you know that it's like a Shemayim thing. That's what people do when they talk about Shemayim. They talk in funny voices. What should we do with the Neshama of Acher? We can't punish him and send him to Gehenim. And we can't send him to Ganeden. We can't send him to Gehenim because he will learn so much Torah. By the way, that teaches you that if you learn a lot of Torah and you deal with Torah your whole life, then you're saved from Gehenna. But we can't send him to Gan Eden because he did so many Averos. Now the student of Acher, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir, he was a great student of his Rabbi and he knew what was going on in Shemayim. And he davened to Hashem and he said, Send him to God, send him to Gehenim. And Amir Tashem, I will help him out. And so Achaz and Shema went to Gehenim. And the Gemara says they knew that Achaz and Shema went to Gehenim. You know how they knew it? Yes, Nasan. Maybe, maybe Rebbe, because, because somebody went up to Shemayim and looked? No. Because smoke came out of his grave. Whoa, that's spooky, Rebbe. <laughs> yeah, you sucker, it is pretty spooky. Eventually, when Rebbe Yochanan died, 
the smoke stopped coming up from the grave. And Chazal explained that that was because Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Meir, and Acher all went to Eilam Haba. And the Rabbi Acher ended up in Eilam Haba. The point is, was Acher right or was Acher wrong? Was Acher right that he couldn't do Teshuvah or was he wrong? Rabbi, yes, Sammy. How could he be wrong? The Baskel, the heavenly voice, it said, everyone do Teshuvah, chutz mi Acher. Everyone repent except for Acher. Obviously, Hashem was saying he didn't want Teshuvah. They went to 13 basic Knesses, 13 shuls, and they all, the children all said the same thing. A Pusik saying Acher can't do Teshuvah. Of course, Acher was right that he couldn't do Teshuvah. Ah. Ah. I knew you would say that, Sammy. Rebbe did? Is Rebbe a Navi? I thought there's no more Nevoah. No, I'm kidding. I didn't know, but I, I assumed somebody would say that. I didn't know it was you. Acher really could do Teshuva. And Hashem was not going to not accept his Teshuva. Hashem was going to accept his Teshuva if he did Teshuva. But it doesn't mean Hashem was excited. It doesn't mean Hashem was going to encourage him to do Teshuva. Acher had done so many Averos. Acher had done so many things wrong that Hashem's attitude was, if he does Teshuva, fine, I'll accept it, but I'm not going to encourage him. As a matter of fact, I'll discourage him. But it's up to him. You know, on Rosh Hashanah time and Yom Kippur time, during the Aser Shemiyat Teshuva, during the days of Elul, Hashem tells everyone, all of us, do Teshuvah. As a matter of fact, next Shabbos, not next Shabbos, next Shabbos or Shana, but two Shabboses, or Shabbosos, is called Shabbos Shuva. And one of the reasons it's called Shabbos Shuva is because Hashem says to the Jewish people, and we quote it in the Haftorah, Shuva Yisrael, Ad Hashem Elokecha. Jewish people return to Hashem. Hashem tells us to do Teshuvah. You know what that means? We are good people. We are not Rishayim. Because Hashem is telling us to do Teshuvah. By Acher, he was doing terrible things and Hashem said, I don't want him to do Teshuvah. I don't want to encourage him. If he does it, I'll accept it. But to us, Hashem is encouraging us to do Teshuvah. Boy, we better take advantage of it. Acher eventually got to Gan Eden because his Talmidim brought him to Gan Eden. We want to get to Gan Eden. We need to do Teshuvah. Everyone could do Teshuvah. And Hashem wants Teshuvah from everyone. Rabbi, I have a question. Yes, Nelson? Well, my question is, you know, maybe it's true that people who are Rishayim, right, if they do Teshuvah, Hashem will accept it. But maybe Hashem really wants Rishayim to die. Maybe Hashem really wants Rishayim never to do Teshuvah. Well, actually, I, I realize that what I'm saying sounds like that, but that's not the case. It's not that Hashem doesn't want them to do Teshuvah. Hashem wants them to do Teshuvah. But Hashem doesn't want to encourage them to do Teshuvah because they did Averus, they have to work really hard to do Teshuvah. You know, let me tell you another story about a great sage who, um, well, this great sage thought, like you, me? 
Yes, Nasan, he thought like you. He thought that maybe that it's the right thing that Rishayim should just not be in this world. And if Rishayim aren't in this world, it's better off. And Hashem doesn't want them to do Teshuvah, and they'll be just out of this world. Maybe that's what they, Hashem wants. But let me tell you the following story. <clears throat> there were these hooligans. Yes, Meishalayim. What's a hooligan? A hooligan. Hooligan's a troublemaker. Like you. I'm kidding. That was just a joke. That was just a joke. Was just a joke. Hooligan. hooligan. There was a hooligan who lived in the town in the neighborhood of Rebbe Meir. And they caused him a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. And so Rebbe Meir decided that the best thing to do would be to daven that they should die. Because they were causing him a lot of trouble. I don't mean like they were just like causing him like a little trouble. They were causing him like major trouble. But his wife said to him, his wife Broria, famous wife of Rabbi Meir, said to him, why do you want them to die? Because they're Rishayim? Because they're bad people? The Pasuk doesn't say Hashem wants bad people to die. The Pasuk says, Yitamu chatoim emin haaretz. Sins should stop from the land. It doesn't say Yitamu chotim emin haaretz. People who sin should stop from the land. We don't daven on Yom Kippur that Hashem should kill Chasashal people who sin. We say to Hashem, Hashem, we want to get rid of our Averos and stay alive. As a matter of fact, there was a great sage in the time of the Gemara. His name was Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi was bothered by a tzeduki. A tzeduki was one of the people who did not believe in Torah Shebaal Peh. They lived in the time of Hanukkah. And this Siduki was bothering Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi again. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi wasn't sure what to do. And finally he decided he's going to do something really drastic. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi knew that Chazal teach us that there is a time every single day that Hashem acts angry. Because it's the time when people who serve Avodah Zarah, kings who serve Avodah Zarah, begin to serve their Avodah Zarah every day. And Rabbi Yeshua Levi knew how to figure out that time with a very special way. You see, the Gemara says, if you take a chicken, a male chicken called a rooster, on its head it has what's called a crown, and on that crown on the head, the crown at that time of day turns different colors, if you take the chicken and you watch when it turns the colors, you know that's the moment when Hashem is angry because of the Ayyuteh Avodah Zarah. And that's the moment that Rabbi Shuban Levi said he'd be able to curse this Tzeduki and make him be punished from Hashem for his bad ways and for bothering Rabbi Shuban Levi. And so he took a chicken and he placed it near the wall. He took his bed and he put it in a spot so that the chicken was trapped. And then Rabbi Yushua ben Levi sat by his bed, or maybe lay on it, and he watched the chicken, stared at it, waiting for that moment that the chicken's crown would start to change colors so he can curse this Saduki. Guess what happened? As he was there, resting on the bed, he fell asleep. And when he opened his eyes, it was way past the time. 
And so Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi said to himself, Ah, I know it's from Hashem, because Hashem runs the world. And if I fell asleep, it's to teach me a lesson. And I bet I know what that lesson is. That even to punish a tzad, even to punish, even to punish a Russia, it's not appropriate. Hashem doesn't want me to punish the Russia. What I was planning to do was not correct. Because the Torah says, V'racham aval kol ma'asav, Hashem has mercy on all of His creatures. And Hashem wants everyone to have the opportunity to do teshuva, and so I shouldn't make this tzaduki get punished if Hashem wasn't punishing him. And that's the point. Anyone can do teshuva. And Hashem wants everyone's teshuva. Just Acher was not encouraged to do teshuva. And when a person does teshuva, boy, is Hashem happy. Boy, is Hashem excited. Boy, is Hashem going to give him a lot of reward. As a matter of fact, did you know that when a person does teshuva to Hashem, sometimes the teshuva makes the Avera go from being an Avera to becoming a mitzvah. Yes, Sammy. So then, Rabbi, it would make sense to spend a lot of time doing Averas and then doing teshuva. Because if every Avera you do with teshuva becomes a mitzvah, so then I'll do a lot, a lot of Averos, and then I'll be able to do teshuva and get a lot, a lot of mitzvos. Sammy, that is an awesome question. Somebody just asked me that question in my other class today. I think his name was Binyamin. I think he just asked me the exact same question today. And we talked about it. And the answer is a few things. But one answer I'll give you is, doing a mitzvah is also a mitzvah. So if instead of spending your time doing Averis and then doing teshuva, so that you can get mitzvahs, just spend your time doing mitzvahs. Wouldn't that be more logical? But also, I have to tell you, the Gemara says that if somebody does an Avera and says, eh, who cares? On Yom Kippur, I'll get forgiven by Hashem. Or somebody says, eh, who cares? On uh, Tuesday, I'll do Teshuva and Hashem will forgive me. The Gemara says, Ein Yom Kippur Mechaper. Yom Kippur won't work. If you do an Avera and think you're going to get Teshuvah on Yom Kippur, get forgiven on Yom Kippur, no, Hashem's going to say, no, you can't do that, it doesn't work. If you do an Avera and think Teshuvah is going to work, Hashem says, Ema, speak and be out the loss of Teshuvah. I'm not going to make it easy for you to do Teshuvah. It's going to be very difficult. Like difficult, like Akar difficult to do Teshuvah. It's not worth it. And the, also the other point is, when a person does an Avera, it affects their Neshama. It breaks the connection between them and Hashem. It's not worth doing an Avera to break that connection. It's like, it's like, it's like hurting, it's like hurting your relationship with Hashem. It's not worth to hurt your relationship with Hashem, even if you can repair it later, even if you can build it up later. It's just not worth it. Alright. Talmidim, any further questions about Teshuvah? Excellent. No hands are up. Raise your hand if you plan to do, I'm just kidding. Of course, everyone in the room plans to do Teshuvah. Raise your hand if you know now that anyone could do Teshuvah, no matter how bad your Avera is, no matter how serious your Avera is. Let me see all your hands up. Everyone learned that in the lesson, hopefully by now, that no matter what, you can do Teshuvah. Even Pancho Veneno was able to do Teshuvah. Do you know who Pancho Veneno is? No. You don't. Oy vey. Well, Mir Hashem, when you go home today, tell your parents that they have to let you listen to the CD 
Professor Chai and Torah Zu, because that's a great lesson on how to do Teshuva. Uh, Rabbi, yes, Avramo, it's also a good lesson on how to say uh, Vidui. It is. Yeah. Remember by the monkeys? Oh, right, you're right, that's true. You're right, it's very good. Everyone, your homework tonight is to go home and tell your parents you have a job, it's your homework, to listen to the CD, Professor Chai and the Torah Zoom about the Teshuva of Pancho Veneno and Professor Chai saying Vidoy and and the, the little boy, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, Arye. Arye, right? And Arye and Arye doing teshuva. Ah, oh, it's a very important mitzvah. All right, everyone, uh, make sure you do your homework. Don't forget. Write it down. Write it down in your binders. Write it down. Write it down your homework in your binders. Don't forget. All right, very good, excellent.